Okay, we'll get started. The topic this week is Bishal Akum for the sick and the elderly. This is a continuation of our theme for the current series of Hashirim. We're speaking about Inyanim relating to foodstuffs. So last week we spoke about commerce in forbidden foods, and this week we'll speak about Bishal Akum. Now, Bishal Akum has a lot in it that can be discussed, so this is a very specific application of the topic, but I'll give you a, a little bit of an overview once we're speaking about Bishalakum. Bishalakum means if you have food that's cooked by a non-Jew, so that was prohibited by Chazal as an Issa Rabbanim. According to 99.9% of uh, the Meforshim, um, it's understood uh, solely as an Issa Rabbanim. It's discussed in the Gemara and Avodah Zorah, Daf Lamed Ches, and codified in Shulchan Aruch, and the reason why food cooked by non-Jews is prohibited is not due to prejudice per se, but concerns of chasnus, that if you're going to get too cozy with the non-Jews, you might intermarry them. That's a very serious prohibition. And number two, the, the first reason of chasnus is emphasized by the Ramam. And there's a second concern, which is mentioned by Rashi, that we're worried because of the fact that they don't keep the laws of Kashus, they're not required like we are, keep the laws of Kashus. So there's a concern that maybe they will mix in a Dabatame, maybe they will mix in something which is crepe, which is not kosher, into the food, despite our best efforts to supervise the process. All of this is discussed in the Beis Yosef, there are all kinds of rules regarding what's included when it comes to Bishal Akum. There are two important exceptions. One is that it doesn't apply to food which is nechol chai, anything which is edible, raw. So even if it will be cooked by a non-Jew, it's still going to be permissible. If you have water, which is something that you can consume and drink without it being heated up, and you have a non-Jew who heats up some water, even some coffee for you, so that's not going to be a prohibition of the Bishal Akum. Secondly, it has to be Ola al Shulchan Malachan. It has to be uh, something which, uh, in order to qualify for Bishal Akum, would be served at a royal banquet. So if you have something like a potato chips, uh, so it's not likely to be served at a royal a banquet. And you have to figure out with every single type of food, is it Ola al Shulchan Malachim or, uh, or not? So this is a separate discussion. But there are other exceptions of Bishal Akum relating to what a type of non-Jew creates a Bishal Akum that perhaps will be relevant to our discussion. For example, there was a big, big debate regarding if you have shifchos, you have maidservants who are working in your house, maybe since the concern is that you're going to get too cozy with the individual, and that's going to lead uh, to intermarriage. That's why we say, if it's not Ola al-Shulchan Malachim, you're not going to feel so cozy with the individual. If you didn't need it to be cooked because it was edible raw, it's not going to lead to uh, such a coziness that, that would lead to intermarriage. Um, but what if it's uh, somebody who's essentially a, a lower class or somebody who has to work for you, so that they're working for you, and they're doing it even maybe against their will, that they are sort of indebted to you, they have to do it in order to make a living, so then maybe that doesn't generate the same atmosphere of coziness that you need to worry about intermarriage. So there's a Tshuva Saramban that says that if you have a maid servant who is essentially like an indentured servant, so we're not worried 
that it's going to uh, lead uh, to uh, a uh, coziness of uh, the uh, hearts uh, coming together, and uh, therefore there's room to be mekel, and many say that even if that would be the case, that's not true if somebody's not an indentured servant. Somebody is a, a free a person who can, uh, who is gainfully employed and they go home at night and they just uh, work for you set hours and get paid for their work. So that's not quite on the same level as uh, somebody who is a servant of yours and therefore uh, that heter may not be applicable but there's a big debate amongst uh, the achronim as to whether maybe you could still make the argument that it's applicable with uh, the uh, maidservants, housekeepers that we have uh, nowadays. And we'll see that uh, is going to be relevant to the Shiloh. The main Shiloh that we get in this regard, and this uh, comes up uh, with respect to, to Ashkacha, but it also comes up with respect to when we're dealing with, I guess, what is the halakhic equivalent of elder law, when we have uh, questions of how to properly take care of elderly relatives, um, so uh, whether you have somebody who's in a nursing home, an assisted living facility, a hospital, and particularly a person who is uh, sick or elderly and needs home care uh, in the house, and maybe they're wheelchair bound, maybe they're not able to get around so much, they're not capable of preparing food for themselves, they're not capable of cooking for themselves, and there's not always an abundance of Jewish help available in these uh, situations. In fact, there isn't an available, uh, an abundance of the Jewish uh, help available. Uh, people will get uh, uh, healthcare workers who might come from the Philippines, might come from Nigeria. Uh, they generally are not going to be Jewish. So whatever they cook up, uh, that's going to be a problem of Bishalakum unless they're heating up a food that was previously cooked or food which is not, uh, which is not on a high level. And none of it is going to be Olal Shulchan Malachim, but many foods, most foods, you heat up a potato, you can serve, serve potatoes at the Shulchan Malachim in a royal banquet. So many, many foods, you heat up meat, it's all going to be Olal Shulchan Malachim. So is there any heter with respect to, to having hired help for elderly relatives, whether they're in a home or whether they're in their own home, uh, in order to uh, cook the, in order to cook the food, uh, and uh, and avoid the problem of a bishul uh, Now, according to Ashkenazic practice, there are all kinds of things that a Jewish person can put into place in order to avoid bishul problems, even when a Jew is not around um, to directly cook the food. Like, for example, the Ramah holds that if you, if this is in Simon Kuf Yud Gimel Siv Zion in Yoridea. That hashlachas kesem is sufficient. You throw a, a chip uh, into the, the, the fire to help uh, the burner, the, uh, the firewood uh, a little bit uh, stronger. According to uh, the Ramah, uh, that sort of thing, which we, is certainly good when it comes to uh, making something which is bread into pas Yisrael, baked by a Jew. So the Ramah is makeup when it comes to bishul Yisrael as well, that is considered to be cooked by a Jew. If even if a Jew just lights a pilot light. And, it, and uh, from that pilot light, uh, they, uh, the, 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 that uh, fire is utilized all day, or even that pilot light ignites another you know, fire which is on top of the stove, so you have an ish meish. So that's also good according to the Ramah, even if uh, you have a non-Jew who's cooking the entire thing, and a Jew comes along and he stokes the coals a little bit, he's mechate, a little bit. So that also is good according to uh, the Ramah. 
And many of the restaurants uh, that have non-Jewish workers rely upon this. The mashkiach comes in the morning, mashkiach turns on the, 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 the fire on the, in the oven, and then the non-Jews can cook basically all day based on that oven that was originally turned on. Well, you could even have uh, fires that are turned on remotely nowadays, where you have uh, somebody can be uh, sitting in their office in the Hashkacha agency in Chicago, they press a button, and based on their pressing a button, so there is some factory in Minnesota where the fires go on in the morning, and everything that's cooked that day, even though everyone in the building, everyone in the entire factory, they're all non-Jews, all the food is going to be considered to be Bisho Yisrael, cooked up by a Jew. These are all Heterim of the Ramah, so if you were be able to set up those mechanisms, let's say you have a non-Jew who's cooking in the home for uh, some incapacitated uh, elderly uh, person, uh, and you would have the, the ability to have the fire be uh, ignited by uh, some Jewish Jewish relative uh, who's, who lives uh, a thousand miles away, so that could work according to uh, according to the Ramah. It doesn't work according to the Mechaber, according to the Sephardim. The Sephardim have a much more a strict approach where it, it would be necessary for the Jewish person to actually put the food on the fire. In order for it not to be Bishal Akram, they have to put the food on the fire. So how do the Sephardim go to all of the restaurants that might be certified by an Ashkenazic uh, Ashkacha, such as the CRC? Um, therefore, we are relying upon uh, the leniencies of the, the Ramah for something not to be considered to be uh, Bishal Akram. So Rabbi Yosef, in his Shiloh Suchubas, Yechavidas, Chelekei, Simon Nundalid says that, that even Sfardim can be Mako when you have a sort of a confluence of considerations of a leniency, such as the fact that there are some authorities that say lighting the fire is good enough, and you also have a non-Jew who's paid, so that's similar to the Ramban model that they're kind of working for you, and therefore it's not going to lead to a coziness of the, of the hearts, and uh, uh, thirdly, there is a, a shita of uh, Rav Avram, Rav Avram ben David. Rav Avram ben David is an acronym for Ravid, but we have many Ravids, so it's a, a little confusing when you just say the Ravid, you'll think it's the Ravid on the side of the Ramam. This is a Ravid who's quoted by the Tosfos in Avodah Zorah, Davodah Lamed Ches, and he says that the entire Isra of Akum is only when the non-Jew is cooking in his home. So you'll figure he's cooking in his home, and now he's bringing over this uh, wonderful dish uh, that uh, he prepared. Uh, so uh, I'm going to feel very cozy, and I'm going to feel very close to him that he's bringing over this special dish from his home. But if he's cooking in my home, so then Rav Aram uh, held that that's, uh, that's okay. Um, that's not going to lead uh, to this special uh, coziness, uh, this uh, joining together of the hearts. And uh, therefore, even though we don't paskin like that sheet of Rav Avram, but it's a broader, it's brought down in various places. So you have to say, you have all of these different considerations coming together. So maybe on, on, on that basis, he holds uh, that it would be okay for a Sephardi uh, to eat in an Ashkenazic restaurant because you have so many, what he calls, you know, spekos, suffix, maybe this is good enough, suffix, that's good enough, suffix, that's good enough. So Rabbi Yosef was very fond of saying you have a spek, 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 So there's more room for leniency. Question, yes? In a restaurant, you're not even going to be seeing the guy who cooks the food. So the coziness issue... There was also the opinion of the Maori Tats, the Maori we have when it comes to bread, 
the pasakum to the extent that we're machmir, that we're careful not to have bread that's baked by non-Jews. Again, the Ramah is very makeal about that. He also, strictly speaking, you don't have to be so machmir the entire year other than a seris yumei tshuva uh, with respect to that Indian, maybe Shabbos and Yontav as well. Although you should know that all of the CRC establishments only have pas Yisrael. Uh, that's our general rule, with very, very few exceptions, where there would be a big sign saying there's an exception. All the CRC establishments are pure Pas Yisrael. Uh, why are we so machmi about Pas Yisrael when the Ramah was so mako? The answer is, Lakewood, that there are lots of people who come here, they visit from Lakewood, and they, they would walk into a restaurant, and there are some rolls on the table. They eat the rolls, and they discover afterwards that it's not Pas Yisrael. They feel like it, they have been duped. And they've been scandalized uh, because they would never dream of such a thing in Lakewood. So therefore we have to meet people's expectations. But it's also a good thing. There's a shach that says that really even the way that we paskin in the uh, Ashkenazic uh, tradition, it's appropriate to be machmir uh, with respect to Pas So, But when it comes to Pas Yisrael, so there um, we uh, have a, a, a special leniency that if it's Pas Palter, Right, that if it's not bread which is baked by a non-Jew in his home, but it's baked by a baker, so then it's not going to lead to such a closeness of the hearts, and that's what really the Ramaz leniency relies upon to the extent that there are leniencies when it comes to uh, Pas Yisrael. So there's a Maharitatz. The Maharitatz says uh, that uh, Marit Mitzahon uh, says uh, that uh, the same is true with respect uh, to Bishel Yisrael. That if you had a non-Jew that basically did not prepare or cook the food in his home, he just cooked the food like in a factory setting, so then I'm not likely to become interested in intermarrying him. I don't even know who he is. I don't even see him at all. So we don't really paskin like the Maharitatsa, but there's a tshuva by Ramosha Feinstein. It's actually by Rav Nutter Greenblatt that was published in the first issue of Misora magazine quoting Ramosha Feinstein and saying that he reviewed the language of what he wrote up with Rav Moshe Feinstein, in which Rav Moshe says that if you have something which is prepared in a factory in equipment, that one would not possibly be able to duplicate in their homes because it's such unusual equipment. He's writing about egg rolls at the time. So then there would be room to be mako uh, with respect to Bishop uh, Yisrael as well. So you also have certainly that factory setting uh, consideration uh, in many cases uh, as well. So the um, it happens that the CRC gives hashkachos to a couple of places where there are cholim, where there are people who are uh, sick or frail or getting going through rehabilitation. One is, uh, I think it's called um, the, the, um, the Lieberman uh, home, and the other is the Park Plaza. Um, in both of those places, we have a mashkiach tamidi. In both of those places, we have the full-time mashkiachim, and uh, we uh, do not rely upon any heterim uh, with respect to bishal akum uh, when it comes to, to the cholim, because once you're going to have our hashkafa, so we're going to do things, you know, perfectly. So the truth of the matter is that most of the time that this issue is going to come up with respect to, to when the food is otherwise going to be kosher, either through hashkafa or it's just that you have a kosher home, is going to be really in people's private homes. It's going to be in people's private homes where they have the live and help and that sort of thing. Too, these two homes? Um, I, I don't, I, I think so. I think Park Plaza does. I think so. I think Park Plaza is, I, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Okay, yeah, I believe so. Okay, now, it does, however, come up even with respect to all of these homes in one other obvious way, and that is what's the one time 
in which you really, even if you're normally very, very strict that everything is going to be cooked by the Jew and all that. So one time that it's really, the cooking, absolutely, if you're going to be cooking, it must be cooked only by a non-Jew. And that would be on Shabbos. On Shabbos, because Shabbos, you, you can't cook. You can't even turn on a fire if it's a Shabbos. So why would you cook on Shabbos? Because if you have a chola, a chola sometimes needs hot food on Shabbos. A chola needs hot food on Shabbos. And uh, sometimes that will require making a coffee, whatever it's going to require. A coffee, we say, is not subject to bishul hakum, but you're going to need to cook. There'll be other foods that maybe some, some, some meat will need to be cooked if there isn't meat available. So uh, this is a Gemara in Shabbos and Dav Kuf Koftes. Kotsoche cholen asin ayyadei armai b'shabbos. The kid of Amnuna, the Amar of Amnuna, Davish Aimbo Sakona, Omelanach Viviose. All of the needs of a Chola can be taken care of by Nanju and Shabbos. It means even a Chola Shaimbo Sakona. Even when it comes to a Chola Shaimbo Sakona, a person is bedridden, a person is incapable of functioning, their entire body is uh, feels uh, achy uh, with all kinds of pains, they can't function normally. So that such a person is called a Chola Shaimbo Sakona, even if their life is not in danger. And the rule with the Cholish Shembo Sakon is that you're allowed to ask a non even though normally you're not allowed to ask a non Jew to do Malak of you on Shabbos, we know that it's a Mivalakum. But for a Cholish Shembo Sakon, the sky is the limit. You can ask a non Jew to do any Malak, even Malacha Deraisa. No problem, you ask a non Jew to a Malacha Deraisa. That includes cooking. Problem is, what do we do about the fact that it's going to be Bishalakum? So this is codified in the Shulchan Aruch and Simon Shin Chav Chesif Yutes. That's the first source in the materials. Chol Sheibo Sakana Mutter Bishalano Yehudi. That Bishal Akum is Mutter with a Chol Sheibo Sakana. Now it happens here. We're talking about Hilchos Shabbos. The ones are in Hilchos Shabbos. So then we have a, a very simple solution to our conundrum of what do we do with a sick and frail person who can't take care of themselves during the week. It says in the Shulchan Aruch, no problem of Bishal Akum when it comes to Chol Sheibo Sakana, but. It's Clearly, the Shulchan Aruch here is talking about the context of uh, cooking on uh, cooking on Shabbos. That would be uh, that would be okay. We normally would not allow a chola to eat even food which is also on a drabonan level. If you go all the way to page eight in the materials of source Lam and Aleph, you say the Ein Matidas is in the Simon Kufnu and Hesib Gimel and Hilchos Avodas Kochavim in Yoridea. The Ein Matim and Shum Dover Isel We don't allow a, a chola. A chola she'ed mo sakana, who's not in danger, to eat even an iser drabonim. Im yuchal asos refuah beheter, kemo beiser, as long as whatever they need, you can find some permissible substitute. Avabish itself, lishos ksas, konon shim, so heterim, and they may have to wait a day or two for the permissible form of whatever they need to eat. Me'achal she'ed sakana bedov, because there's no sakana. If there would be a sakana, so then we see, it would be permissible. If there would be a sakana, a chola she'ed mo sakana, can eat pretty much anything. You could, uh, sh- you could, can eat a nevela if necessary. Can eat, um, uh, can eat, um, chazaflesh if necessary. If that's what, if that's what they need in order to keep them alive to save their life. But if it's a cholish sakana, normally they would not be allowed uh, to eat uh, something which is also. So why then do we allow on Shabbos for a sick person to eat food which is cooked by a non-Jew? Isn't that an isra achila? 
The food that was cooked by a non-Jew isn't that an Isra Achila. So the Mishnah Burr, if you look in source base over here, he explains why that's not true. He says, Even though, normally speaking, other foods, even if it's only us and B'Jorobonan, a Nechola is not allowed to eat or to drink, as we learn in Yoridea, Simen Kup Nun that we just read. Shiny Bishalainu Yehudi. Bishalainu Yehudi is in a different category. Why is it in a different category? Because it's not something which is intrinsically awesome. It's not intrinsically us. So the food is intrinsically mutter. We're just saying you can't eat the food because it might lead to intermarriage. We can't eat the food because we're worried that sometimes there might be something that will be snuck into the food. But otherwise, assuming that it wasn't snuck in, the food would be intrinsically permissible. We're just not allowing you to eat the food. And a chole would... And a chole... If it's Shabbos, we're, we're giving the dispensation that the Chola would be allowed to eat the food and would be allowed to make a bracha on the food and, and so forth. So now the question is, that is with respect to Shabbos. So there are two questions. Number one, so what if Shabbos ends? Shabbos ends. The Tzaysa Kochavim, the bells start ringing. And uh, the uh, and now it's the end of Shabbos. So do we say this special dispensation that we provided for this chole that he could have a non-Jew cook the food uh, for him on Shabbos and he could eat the food on Shabbos? Now he doesn't need the non-Jews Jews food anymore. Now I can have food cooked by a Jew. So is he no longer allowed to eat this very same food that we allowed him to eat an hour ago? That's question number one. Question number two is. What about the kalim? Normally speaking, if a non-Jew cooks food in your kalim, so do you have to kasha the kalim? Do you have to kasha the kalim or not? This is a big question. It's a machlokis. According to the Rashbah, once Chazal made this a special enactment that Bishalakim is Osir, that means that we treat it, we treat it effectively. It's not, may not be Osir, Machmas Asma, but we treat it like Macholos Asuris and you have to kasha the kalim. Um, the, the, uh, the, 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 the Ran, uh, quoting the Ra'ah, says it's not necessary to kasher the Kalim, uh, because it's really not intrinsically usher, and therefore the Kalim are never going to be usher. And both of these deos are mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch, in Yoridea, Simen Kuf Yud Gimel. Take a look at Source Dalet. Kalim Shabisha Bem Ove Kokham Lepanenu, Dram Shesh Bem Bishum Bishule Obdei Kokhavim. Anything which an Anju cooks, which is subject to Bishalakim Srikham Heksher, has to be kasher. The Yeshom Mishainim Srikham, that's the Ra'ah. The Ra'ah says that it's not necessary to be, uh, to, to be kashered, but even according to the Rashba, that it does have to be kashered, so we're a little bit uh, mako that we uh, say that even if it's a klicheres, even if it's an earthenware, it could be kasher, you have to necessarily wait 24 hours before you kasher it. We have all kinds of special heterim uh, when it comes to the kashering of uh, these, of uh, the kalim. And we have other heterim. We say that Bishalakim is batul barob. It doesn't require bitul b'shishim. So we don't really seem to treat it like machalos asura. So, but we're machmir. We're machmir like the Rashbah because it's just uh, appropriate always to be machmir, right? So we're machmir like the Rashbah uh, that we treat it as if it was machalos asura. But if it's batul barob, then obviously we're saying it's not really machalos asura. Another proof it's not really machalos asura. If a non-Jew cooked the food to a state where it's one-third cooked and barely edible, macho ben drusai, 
which would be considered fully cooking for Shabbos purposes to incur culpability. Nonetheless, if a Jew comes along and finishes the process, so we're not going to treat it as, as Bishalakim anymore. It's what we call Trefa Chosel Something that was Trefa becomes kosher again. That's not possible if it's really Trefa. So obviously we're saying it's not really Trefa. But here we have the question, are we going to be more makel when the cooking took place on Shabbos when we're saying that it's going to be permissible to do it on Shabbos? So here, in this particular instance, the Mishnah Brewer in Source Bay says that we are going to be makel. He says, This is the third line in Source Bay's. He says, according to the strict law that we pass on like the Rashba, you would have to kasha the kalim after Shabbos. You could kasha you and we have to kasha. He says, if you kasha, if you cooked in it without kashering it, and you have rove, so we say that the official akim is bottle rove, yes rove, but but then he adds, "V'yesh mekilim the answer you can hexer klam v'asomech alei and the inyan kelim shibishlu ba'en lachola b'shabes lo hipsi." If you rely upon this when it comes to the kelim that were used to cook in for a chola on Shabbos, so you haven't lost out. Meaning, it's basically okay. To the pots they cooked in, or the cutlery, like so all of that, all of that stuff, all of it is going to be mutter. Okay, they take a look at the the Mishnah explains in the Sharetzion. Because in any event, in Simon Yukuf Yud Gimel, uh, the Ramah uh, seems to say that it, it's a perfectly uh, fine. Even the food is fine, meaning even the food that you are uh, you cooked uh, that you cooked on Shabbos for a chole is going to be permissible on Motzei Shabbos. Take a look at the source Dalit, the bold face Hagah towards the end. Hagah, uh, this is in Simon Kuf Yud Gimel. The Ramah says the food's going to be mutter mostly Shabbos even for a healthy person. Forget about the chole. The chole can eat the food mostly Shabbos. You know who else can eat the food mostly Shabbos? A bari, a healthy person can eat it. Can't eat it on Shabbos because we're worried that if he could eat it on Shabbos, so maybe with the, the person, the non-Jew who's cooking it on Shabbos is going to cook for the healthy person too. He's going to cook extra for the healthy person. So that for sure is not permissible. We allow the non-Jew to cook for a, a sick person on Shabbos, but not for a healthy person. So the healthy person can't eat it on Shabbos. But as soon as Shabbos is over, no problem. We have a hacker. We have a hacker that this is an unusual situation. We normally don't allow a non-Jew to cook for a Jew, but on Shabbos we allow it for a chole. So it's a special hacker. So in this particular case, for sure we're going to be mako that the kalim are going to be okay. Um, but do we paskin like the Ramah that you would be allowed a, not, a healthy person or the chole himself? That he would be allowed to eat the food on um, uh, on Motzei Shabbos. Do we allow that, or do we not allow that? Um, yes. Do we have to wait a certain amount of time that he could have. No, he says in this case it's going to be permissible right away, right away. Okay. Now the Taz says that it, it, the Taz disagrees with the Ramah. He quotes the Rashba who says, "What are you talking about? Even when we allow cooking on Shabbos, that's only for the Kohli himself." Um, and uh, but once Motzei Shabbos comes along, I treat it, says the Rashba, like Machalos Asuras. It goes back to its original state of being usher for Shabbos Chosel Yisurim for the Chole himself, the Kol Shekei Lebari, and certainly for a healthy person. And the Taz says Udvarav Nechodim, and I think he's a hundred percent correct. And who comes along? Who's the nemesis of the Taz? Who's the famous nemesis of the Taz? None other than the Shach. So Shah comes along in his commentary in the Kudos to Kesef and he says, no, no, I'm with the Ramah. 
So Ramah says it's mutter for uh, to eat after a Shabbos is over, and I say so too because the Bishel Sofrim Holechachara Meiko. This is only a drabanan, and we therefore we go the kula. And secondly, he says that I don't have to worry about intermarriage in this case. Because there's a heck, there's a hecker. What's the hecker? The hecker is that, that either I say that normally I wouldn't have allowed the non-Jew to cook, and I only allowed on Shabbos. That's a hecker. Or the hecker could be that it was clearly done for medical uh, purposes, um, and uh, therefore, uh, for that reason, I can be makel and I can allow the food to be eaten uh, after Shabbos is over. So it's an interesting uh, question over here uh, because we have contradictory rulings. We have contradictory rulings in the Mishnah Bura about whether the food that was cooked for a chole by a non-Jew on Shabbos is allowed to be eaten on Mose, uh, on Mose Shabbos uh, as, uh, as well. Uh, in Simon Shin Yudches, in Hilko Shabbos, so uh, the Mishnah Bura uh, says, when uh, the Shokan Arach is talking about if uh, the cook, uh, food was cooked by a non-Jew for a chole, it's going to be uh, it's going to be usher on the Shabbos for a healthy person. So look at source test on page two. The bar they honus mimenu of a mamotze Shabbos mutter miyat. But a mamotze Shabbos is going to be mutter right away. The taima the kimen sheinu who you the bishul beheter since it was permitted permissible. Lo bar lahamti mitay. Therefore you do not need um, to wait b'tei shiyasu as you would say. You don't have to wait a special amount of time, but you're allowed to eat it all together. And he quotes the Vilna Gon, uh, that we're not Gozim in this case. The Vilna Gon says, because it's not Shkiach. So it's not Shkiach, I don't have to worry about Chasnus. Um, we see that generally, if I have a special situation of cooking by a non-Jew, which is not your normal situation, so then I say that for a non-Shkiach situation, I don't worry that it's going to lead to intermarry. Rav Shechter, Rav Herschel Shechter Shlita, applies this to a non-Jew who buys new kalim um, when they're going through a conversion process. They're planning to convert to Judaism. They buy new kalim five months before the conversion takes place and they're cooking away kosher food. They're learning all the books of kashras with all the footnotes. They know it better than most Mikha students. Inside out, they know all the laws of kashras. No question that everything that was cooked on their pots and pans was 100% kosher. Now they convert. So they have to kasha their pots and pans. We say, oh, it was Bishalakum during this time. So most posts can say, of course, it was Bishalakum. They had a non-Jew who was cooking on the pots and pans. I don't care that the food was objectively kosher. Of course they have to kasha all the kalim. And says, no, because the situation of a non-Jew is going through a conversion process and everything is 100% kosher, and then he converts a few months later uh, to, to become Jewish and he's going to keep the same person. He's going to keep the same kalim. Yesterday he was non-Jewish. Today he is Jewish. He says, that's a milsed lo shkicha. Milsed lo shkicha, I'm not worried about it leading to chasnus. And uh, therefore he doesn't have to kasha in this case. With whom would he have chasnus? With whom would he have chasnus? Himself. He could have chasnos with uh, somebody it's else. It's like, it's let's say... It's his Caleb. It's true, but maybe he is... Uh, you worried about maybe that relationship Maybe, the maybe somebody who uh, is interested in marrying a certain Jewish girl, and at least during like the first few months that he's doing it, it might lead to a possibility of, of chasnos. I don't know. I'm not sure that it me, that one can really be makel if I have somebody who's going through a conversion process who's actually already living with a Jewish partner because in the Chachasnus Gedoy Mizu, so maybe it really depends on the circumstances that you're talking about. But you certainly have, certainly have uh, cases where the person is living by themselves, they're not dating anybody, and then they convert, and this is a question. 
I discussed that Rabbi Schwartz was inclined to be machmir, to require kashering in that in this situation. He thought maybe you could be makel if the person only used it to cook for themselves and they weren't cooking the food for a Jewish person where it would actually have a chalos of bishel akum during that time that a Jew wouldn't be allowed to eat before they converted to Judaism. So he did uh, at one point suggest that or accept that uh, compromised the suggestion. I'm think, I think I'm the one who actually made the suggestion. So at one point, I think he accepted that, uh, that compromised suggestion, but I think most posts can say, you should kasher, but uh, this is a svara. This idea of milsud lo is certainly a svara. But anyway, that's what the Mishnah Burr says in Simon Shin Yudches. After Shabbos is over, all is fine, and you would be allowed to consume it. But if you took a look in Simon Shin Chop Ches, right? So in Simon Shin Chop Ches, um, that's not exactly what the Mishnah, uh, what the Mishnah Bura said. Uh, the Mishnah Bura uh, over there, um, if you take a look at the second line in source base, last three words, whatever's left over Motzei Shabbos, is going to be prohibited even for the Kola himself. Since at that point in time, you would be allowed to, um, you would be allowed to cook it through a Jewish person. Uh, so, therefore, there's no heter anymore on Motzei Shabbos. So, which is it? It is a clear and unambiguous contradiction in the Mishnah Burah between what he says in Simon Shin Yudches and what he says in Simon Shin Chavches. So, what in the world are you going to do about this? So, the son of the Mishnah Burah, the son of the Chavetz Chaim, he had a son named Rav Aryeh Leib. son of Aryeh Leib wrote a book. He wrote a book, take a look at the very last source on page 9. It was called Mithavei Chavetz Chaim, by, written by Rav Aryeh Leib HaKohen. I don't know when he wrote the book. I, it wasn't written that long after the Chafetz Chaim died, as far as I can tell. And he was talking about how the process worked in which the, Mishnah, which the Chafetz Chaim wrote the Mishnah Brewer. And he said, yeah, he really wrote most of it. He wrote most of it, but yeah, he needed a little bit of help. And uh, therefore, he had certain chavusas who were learning different, learning different sections. And he asked different people to draft different sections. And I drafted some of it myself. Uh, and I'm going to explain to you that since you didn't have the same pen writing every single word in the Mishnah Burah, so sometimes that led to certain contradictions. So take a look at the second line. They didn't all come from the same pen. Sometimes there are certain that my father wasn't able to really focus upon uh, fully. That's what he says. Uh, I think he's saying, and any Torah personality out there, if you're reading this, so take a look at what it says in Mishnah Burah Simen Shinyan Chesif Katan Yudal, where he says, Mosi Shabbos Mutalomiyad, the Mosi Shabbos, you can eat it right away, um, the, the food that was cooked by the non Jew for the sick person on Shabbos, so Simen Shin Chabkes, but in Simen Shin Chabkes, Sif Katan Chabgimel Kasav, Umashinishal Mosi Shabbos, Asar Apilachola Asmum, there he writes, that whatever's left over Mosi Shabbos is going to Mosi, a clear contradiction. So he says, simple resolution and explanation. They were written by different people. When he was a big mako, that's my father, such a mako. That was my father, the Chafetz Chaim himself. He felt he's going to be mako. He followed the Ra, who said it's not really machal sasuros. You have a good reason to allow cooking by a non-Jew for the Chola and Shabbos. So after Shabbos, even a healthy person can eat it. 
In the same way, what the Ramah Paskin in Yoridea, Simon Kuf Yud Gimel, Lahalacha, that's how the Ramah Paskin, the Ramah, Uve Simon Shin Kuf Kayasuk Sab Yodi, but the more Machmashita, that was me. I admit it. I did it. I was the Machmir. Was, don't blame, don't blame my father. That was me. And I followed the Rashba who argues with the Ra'ah and I felt that that was the right psaq. But that's the explanation in case you are wondering. So it uh, comes along uh, uh, Moshe Sternbach in the Tshuvah Sran Hagras you look in source at Yud Aleph he quotes uh, from this a safer of the son of the Chafetz Chaim he says I, 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 I get around I, I read these books don't worry I have a very, very large library over Sefer Sikos to Chafetz Chaim this is in the second paragraph in the middle Levena Chafetz Chaim beginning of the line there Heyer Bezer and he says yeah sometimes there are steros and it's because uh, one was written by him and one was written by, by me etc so he says with Shamati he says the Shuvah on Hagos I heard Shemabena Chazunish Zatzal Dochot Rorav Shimbino, see there, he says, I believe that his son wrote it. Yeah, sure. He had different people writing different things. But I can tell you, I knew the, I knew the Chafetz Chaim. And the Chafetz Chaim checked every single word himself. And he never would have allowed it to go to Prince if he was not comfortable with the fact that, that, that there were different renditions in the different places. By the other, because of it, he must have read it very carefully. And if it was in the Mishaburah, that means his father agreed that there's a difference between Sin Shin Yenches and Shin Chafetz. Below Shemana, it says, look at the, the Shuvah Svanagos. Unfortunately, we didn't hear what the difference was. Now, this is not as far-fetched as it might sound, because the, not only did the Mishaburah have the stira between Simon Shin Yenches and Simon Shin Chavches, the Yalach HaShulchan also has the stira between what's Paskin in Simon Shin Yenches and what's Paskin in Simon uh, Shin Chavches. And not only that, but the Kula that he has in Simon Shin Yenches is criticized by the Taz, who, uh, of course, passed against the Ramah in Yoridea and said uh, that uh, you would not be allowed to eat the food afterwards and you have to kasha the kalim and all that. And in Simen Shin, um, and in uh, Simen um, Chavches, um, where, uh, the, um, where, where you have uh, the... Uh, where, where you say that it's going to be also Apilu Lechole, uh, so, so here, uh, the Taz, uh, doesn't, um, doesn't say, doesn't say, I'm sorry, let me say it differently. In Simon Shin Yudches, despite the fact that the Taz had, uh, tremendous opposition, uh, to, uh, the Shita of, uh, the, uh, of the Ramah in Yoridea, and so in Simon Shin Yudches, uh, where the Muggin of Ram and the Mishnah Brewer say the Mosei Shabbos is going to be Mutter, the Taz was 100% quiet and did not object at that point in time in Simen Shin Yud Ches. So the question is, why is it that there is no objection? So the answer must be, it says that the Rav Chaim Kanievsky and the Shona Halakos, if you look in source Yud, and the Shuvah Svan Hagas gives the same answer, and the Shemir Shabbos Kehilkasa gives the same answer, Everybody pretty much comes up with the same answer. The answer is that Simon Shin Yudches, where the Mishnah Bura was Matir, is talking about where I don't need a non-Jew to do the cooking. If you take a look in the uh, Shulchan Aruch, on the top of page 2, we say that even if it's cooked by a non-Jew, um, so it's going to be uh, usher for a healthy person to eat it on Shabbos, but it's, uh, if you look in the previous two lines, it says uh, that uh, you might, uh, you could shecht, uh, even a Jewish person could shecht an animal for this sick person on Shabbos, could cook the, uh, could cook the food on Shabbos, and it would only be permissible for the sick person and not for a healthy person. 
And then the Ramah says, yeah, and, this, and even if it's cooked by a non-Jew, a healthy person wouldn't be allowed to eat it on Shabbos. So what's going on over here? Obviously, we're not talking about a Sakana. What are we talking about? A Sakana. So they say, when is it that the Mishnah Burah said that it's considered to be Hetzal Gomor, a real Milsad Loshvicha, when you're doing cooking for a Cholashiyeshbo Sakana, will you be allowed to do anything for Cholashiyeshbo Sakana? So in such a case, we would allow the food to be eaten on Motzi Shabbos as well, obviously by the Chola, but even by a Bari, even by a healthy person. When is it that the Mishnah Burr said that you should be Machmir, namely in a Simen Shin Chavches? That's when I'm dealing with a Chola She'en Bo Sakana. If I'm dealing with a Chola who's not so incredibly sick, so then the Heter is not as Gibaldic, uh, and it's not as much of a Milsa Dloshchicha, uh, and uh, therefore, in this particular case, would say that a Motzei Shabbos, once the sickness or once the need goes away to cook for the person who has the sickness, so that a Motzei Shabbos, I'm not going to allow even the Chola. The Chola can hold off. I'm not going to allow even the Chola to eat the food anymore until a Jew prepares food for him. And I'm certainly not going to allow a healthy person to eat the food at that point in time. So this uh, teretz is a, a very uh, sensible teretz. Seems to work out uh, very, very well. However, it happens to be more machmir than the Ramah. Because the Ramah in Yoridea, when he said that the food could be eaten, uh, that was in source, uh, source, uh, source Dalad, when the Ramah says uh, that it would be mutal, mostly Shabbos, he was talking about even a chola she'emos sakana. So the Ramah is super makel, that he would allow the food to be eaten even a mostly Shabbos by a chola she'emos sakana. And then you have the super machmir group. The Super Machmir group includes uh, the Balatanya and it includes uh, the uh, Ber Hetev. You look in source Kopei on page 6. The Ber Hetev says uh, that the same way that you would have to be concerned when it comes uh, to uh, cooking for a Chole Sheemo Sakana, that maybe there'll be like a little bit uh, extra that would be cooked. Um, if we would allow him to eat the food. So he says, I have that concern, even if you're not going to eat the food on Shabbos, but you can eat the food on Motzei Shabbos, and that same food, that same concern, would be applicable even to a Chole She'yeshbo Sakana situation. So he holds uh, that it would be uh, prohibited, uh, even whether I'm talking about a Chole She'yeshbo Sakana, or whether I'm talking about a Chole She'yeshbo Sakana, uh, he does not seem to distinguish in any way uh, whatsoever, and he seems uh, to hold uh, that it would be prohibited across uh, uh, across the board uh, to partake of the food after after Shabbos is over. And uh, the uh, and the Balatanya uh, says exactly the same thing. I think even a little bit more uh, more explicitly, where he does not distinguish between a Chole She'embo Sakana and a Chole She'yeshbo Sakana in this regard. So therefore. We basically have three different shitas to always be machmir, to always be mekel, and to distinguish between If you want to take a look at the Shulchan Aruch Harab, that's in source Yud base um, on page three, Simon Shun Yud Chesed Sifhei, where he says that um, it would be Asa Labari B'Shabes. And then he says, but it would be on Motzei Shabbos when a certain malacha was done. 
However, that doesn't apply to baking or cooking. And he clearly, um, as he stated in his first lines, talking about both a chvot a chole sheyesh bo sakonim and a chole sheein bo sakonim. Now, when it comes to, to the kalim, so the Mishnah basically says you can be maker with respect to the kalim. There is a shoal umeshik uh, who says that this is especially true if I'm talking about a base hakolim. If I'm talking about like a hospital type of setting, um, so here's where you have sort of special considerations when it comes to homes for the sick. If you look in source Yudkes on page four, Asher Shalta Biakam Shibisha Lacholah B'Shabes and Mutul Mosi Shabes Labari Kedas Haramah. Oh, do you have to be makmir like the Divrei Atas to take a look at the last part paragraph? The neighbor based Lacholah Mishal Pova Lavuv. He lived in Lavuv, the Shol Meishep, right? Rabbi Yosef Shol Nathanson. She's Habei Cholim Shitzarek Labashlem B'Shabes and Nesa Mosi Shabes Hakelim. If you're going to prohibit the kalim and your hefseh merubah, the fear of your stating, it's going to lead to a terrible hefseh. Kimin sheyevish of the jasham yesh cholim habe mitsuim amitsukanim v'yesh sheyevish mitsukanim achar shabbos. You have people, you have a lot of cholim, including cholim sheyevish bosakana, and therefore it would create a tremendous, tremendous inconvenience and a tremendous sakana if I'm going to suspend the use of all the kalim after shabbos is over. I won't be able to cook for the cholim. You also find in the writings of Rameya Simcom Vince in his Or Samach, where he also talks about when you have homes, where it's sort of a combination package of some people who are more sick than other people. So you have to also bear in mind just the tremendous inconvenience that you're going to cause to the Cholom Sakana if you're going to be extra machmir. And so he also talks about how that allows for a certain, a certain kulos when it comes to, to these um, the situations. That source, test on page 5, the Yosemech, Chelek Beisim, and Chobalot, and his chulos. He's most, of the, the, I'm not going to focus on this chulos, because it mostly deals with the question of being mekel for Zikanim, who are cholim, um, who really need their hot food on Shabbos. They really need their hot food on Shabbos. So normally if I have soup that cooled down, I say I can't heat it up again on Shabbos because yesha bishel, acha bishel, But he said since some say that's only, many, most say that's only Durabonon, and uh, the, some are makel about that altogether, and it's being heated up by non-Jews, so he is makel to allow the he- reheating of soup in the, these uh, Moshe of Zikanim, in these old age homes, um, where he says you have a combination of people. But when it comes to outright cooking, he says you have to be very careful because not every single person who's old is necessarily sick. But he does say that it's very important, it's going to cause a tremendous amount of tsar if you have a, an old person in the chatsar, an old person who doesn't get his chicken soup on Shabbos or his children on Shabbos, that could be very, very bad news. You have to be careful about this. Somebody knocked on my door a few years ago from one of my neighbors. My neighbors, go, like, we, we get these knocks all the time, Friday night. So somebody knocks on the door, and they said they had a big, big problem. It was banished mushrooms, and they realized the chillant wasn't plugged in. They realized the chillant wasn't plugged in. But then they realized, you know, banished mushrooms, you're allowed to have non-Jews do things, especially, it's only a drabana, you can have a non-Jew do things, especially on um, banished mushrooms, for sure. Um, even after people are Makabal Shabbos, where we say we don't allow any, any special leniencies with respect to our doing drabanas, but for Benish Mashas, there are leniencies asking a non-Jew to do something. So they asked the non-Jew, the non-Jew, the non-Jewish housekeeper to plug in the chum. And they were so proud. And they said, oh, we did such a good thing. Then they realized afterwards, oh no, 
we, but the, the children is getting cooked. This was the children where they relied on Kadeya where it was uh, the, the, the meat was raw and it's getting cooked. So he said, well, now we got rid of our Shabbos problem. We'll have the hot children. It's going to be Bishalakum. What do we do? Um, they, so they, so I, I, I probed a little bit further and they said the reason why it was so important for them to, to plug it in because they were having a guest Shabbos afternoon. This old Russian lady was coming to them and that they knew that it would be very, very difficult for her to go through her Shabbos meal, to go through her Shabbos without having her hot children. So I said, look, she's probably this old, frail, Russian lady who needs to have her hot children. She's probably in the category of Kola She'eim Bosakana. Kola She'eim Bosakana, there's no problem with Bishalakum on Shabbos. At least on Shabbos, she'd be allowed to eat the food. I said, furthermore, there's a possible svara that maybe Shulan does not ola al Shulchan Malachim. Because even if we have fancy banquets nowadays, and fancy weddings and so forth, you don't generally serve Shulan. It's true, at a nice Shabbos table, you have your Shulan, but at a fancy banquet, right? You don't, you don't use, that's not a main dish. It's not one of the choices. Oh, you're going to have your chillant, your chillant, your, 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 your fancy steak, your London boil, a chillant. No, it's not usually one of the, one of the choices. So it's interesting. So, but I told them at the time just to be on the safe side. I said, since the cooking for Chol Hashem only allows the Chol to eat, so only allow the chillin to be eaten by this old frail Russian grandmother. But nobody else should eat the chol. That's why I said, that's how I pass them, just to be on the safe side. And then subsequently, after Shabbos, I saw, I did some more research, I saw Rav Asha Weiss had dealt with a similar shayla, and he passed in that chulon is definitely not olol shulcham mm-hmm. So he said, chulon is not a problem of bishalakum, in case you had any kind of cooking that took place on Menachem Jews, and for sure it's not bishalakum. So that could have been something that maybe they could have relied upon, but I was still comfortable with my psak. I played it, to, I played it safe, so to speak. Um, so now, the question becomes, since we are, we're, let's assume that we're going to be machmir, that you can't eat the food after Shabbos is over. Okay? Uh, but so that's how the Mishnah Burr seems to paskin in when I'm dealing with the Cholash in Bosakonim. But, how much do I in fact restrict this uh, prohibition when it comes uh, to, uh, when it comes uh, to uh, cooking for a Cholash? To what degree do I say that I only have a leniency on Shabbos itself? To what degree do I say that the same way that on Shabbos, if, since there was no other option but to have the cooking done by a non-Jew, so what if it is during, what if it is during the week? What if I'm dealing with an elderly person during the week? So I mentioned that the Orsamak said, well, you have to make sure that an elderly person is really a cholab. But if the person's really bedbound, and the reason why I have some uh, workers, some live-in help with them is because they're not able to really get around, so they probably qualify as zaking. You look in the Orcha Shabbos, source of Chuk, so the Orcha Shabbos says, it's not a given. The mere fact that you're old doesn't make you into a chole. But sometimes you do get qualified as a chole she'em bosakana. And he says, he quotes to your Samach, who says that there are different gradations, especially you have like an assisted living facility or you have like a mixed facility, like Parkside, um, like Park Plaza, excuse me, Park Plaza is like a mixed facility. Some people are very ill and some people are perfectly healthy or perfectly healthy. So you wouldn't allow, they wouldn't be count as Kol Hashem Bosakana. So he has in the last line, he says, Okay, Shemanu, the same idea of the Yor Samach, may I go and Rabbi Yosef Shalmel Yoshev Shlita, that was a Tzal, there's no, there's no absolute uh, bright line rule. You have to look at every single situation uh, separately, but in most of these situations, we are going to be dealing with a chola she'en mosakana. So one of my chaverim, uh, who is a uh, who's a dayan in the Chabad community, Rabbi Kasimov, 
in um, in Crown Heights. So, so he had the Shaila recently, and he came to the conclusion. He looked at first of all the Balatanya. What 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 what, what did the, first of all what, what what did the Balatanya say about this? Because that's always a starting point for them. So he saw that uh, the Balatanya, as I mentioned, was was Machmir, was very Machmir about this uh, this issue. And he said, if you take a look in uh, the you take a look in the Primagodim, the Primagodim that uh, uh, I'll I'll get I'll get it for you. The Primagodim says uh, that this special heter of cooking for a non-Jew is his source Yudzayin on page four of cooking for a non-Jew on Shabbos, cooking for a chole by a non-Jew on Shabbos is limited to Shabbos. Look at the first line. He says, you look at the Lashon that uh, is uh, brought, the, the base Yosef brings a shuba of the Rashba about this, the Ran talks about this in the Bodhisattva, Daf Testament Alf, and the Dapi Arif. They talk about doing it on Shabbos itself. So he says that we don't find, and there's even this talk about can a Bari eat it after Shabbos, but after Shabbos, uh, many can say that he would not be allowed to eat it, unlike the Ramah. So therefore, it seems very clear that the only heter was for the cooking to take place on Shabbos, and nobody said that we're going to allow a mirah la'akum for a chola she'ein bo sakana once it's not Shabbos anymore. And in fact, the Minchas Asher in Source Tezai, when he's writing about Bishul Nachlin, has a big criticism of the Minchas Yitzchak. The Minchas Yitzchak, well, of course, was the diet in the Eidah Charedis, the Narasi saw, he speaks about spinach puree, um, spinach puri, which I assume is spinach puree, so he talks about, is this something which is subject to Bishul Akum or not? So he has all kinds of reasons why it wouldn't be subject to Bishul Akum. It's done through steam, and he say that steam is like the smoked uh, food, which is not subject to Bishul Akum. Uh, secondly, he says that it was made, it's made in a factory, and I brought you the, I mentioned the Heter of the Maritats before. And um, amongst the other uh, kulos that he has, and when it's a first cooked, it's not old al shulcham alakim, and those cooked more afterwards, it's steamed more afterwards. He has various, various heterim, but he says, one, one major heter that I have, one major heter is that it is made for children. Uvalavach, he says, katan that it's being cooked for, for, for small children who are like a chola sheimbo sakana by definition. And since it's being made for, for children, uh, therefore, it's not subject to be shuliyakim. He's not talking about cooking on Shabbos. So says the Minchas Asher, I don't understand what's going on here in the Minchas Gitzah. How could he say that uh, you can always cook for chola sheimbo sakana even during the week? Um, the only time that this is permissible is on Shabbos. It's not permissible the rest of the week. So he was just absolutely, blo- he was, he was flabbergasted by this comment of the Minchas Gitzchak. But the truth of the matter is, Minchas Gitzchak was not the first one to come up with this idea. There's an article that I found by Rav Naftali Nussbaum, um, a dinner at Sisra. Rav Naftali Nussbaum points out that there is a passage in Rabbi Akiva Eger, the Shailas and Shuvas of Rabbi Akiva Eger, Madura Kama Simon Hay, in which Rabbi Akiva Eger uh, says uh, explicitly uh, exactly uh, the same thing um, that he says uh, that uh, in the event he talks about that you're not allowed to be Ma'arvin when you make an Eruv, you're not allowed to make uh, make it with Bishul uh, Bishul Nachri. You're not allowed to make it with Bishul Nachri. After Mutzar, the Kuliyama, the Chola Sheimbo Sakana. Despite the fact that Bishul Akum 
is always going to be uh, permissible um, for a chole she'en bo sakana. So there are times that bishalachim is permissible. And he's talking about preparing food before Shabbos for purposes of an Eruv. And obviously, that food was not cooked on Shabbos. It was cooked before Shabbos. And he says, it's mutter b'chole she'en bo sakana. There's also a mi'iri um, that I saw brought in uh, Maseka Sabodizara that uh, also has some lashon that suggests that Bishalakum could be permissible always for Cholashem Bosakana, but then he does have some language about during a day that otherwise food would not be available, so I don't think it's as good a proof. But the proof from Rabbi Akiva Eger seems like it is a pretty decent proof. So there are a number of postkim who then work with this idea of the Minchas, of the, of this, the Minchas Yitzchak, to say that if I do have a situation where it is very clear uh, that a person is not going to otherwise have access to food if I did not allow for the uh, food to be cooked by a non-Jew and the person is in the gather of a chole, a chole, even a chole she'embo sakana, you could be, be mocked here. So as I said, Rav Kasima played it safe and he said, look, um, that the hummus that we find in the Prima Garden relate to a chole she'embo sakana, but if you go back uh, to that source uh, that we saw in Simen Kupnun Hay, in Yoridea, it says that you are, do not allow any food which is usher, even mitrabanan for akole, me'akar she'en sakana bedover, because there's no actual sakana. So he says, oh, so if there is actual sakana, so then you can be mekel. So he's mekel in case where there is sakana, I think, perfectly fine to play it safe. Say, sometimes when you have an elderly person who has full time around the clock care, they're not just a chole she'en bo sakana, but they're a chole she'yesh bo sakana. So certainly, there's room to be mekel there. But, even with the chole she'en bo sakana, so the minchas yitzchak, minchas asher himself, of asher weiss himself says, if I have another sniff to rely upon, like for example, I have a question of the food being cooked in a microwave oven. So it's a big question whether a microwave oven was included in the original gezerah of Bishalakum. Bishalakum really was only with respect to food that was cooked to an age. That, that's a fire. That's why we make a labab ma'ushan, something which is smoked. So he says that he thinks that there is definitely room to be mako with a microwave. And certainly, if I am dealing with a situation where it is a, a person who is a, who is a chole. Um, then take a look at the last paragraph on page 7. It's not going to be so easy to hire a Jewish woman to be a cook. We're always to buy food that was already cooked. We care about people's pocketbooks to some degree. If you throw in what the Ramayat said, that when you have sort of the woman who's the shivka, Mishareses in a basi swab, with the shach and the taz, point out that some say that's even nowadays, even though they're not slaves per se, some say that there's no Bishonachim, so we'd be Mako like Bidiyevin. So here, Bidiyevin dummy, Viprat Shimaduba Bechola. And then he has in parentheses, despite his earlier rejection of the Minchas Yitzchak, that maybe when you don't have anyone else to cook for the Chola, you could be Mako, just like you were Mako 
on Shabbos. Because the truth of the matter is that, that when you, even in that halacha where we say we don't allow a chola to eat foods that, that are macholos asuros, so there also the lashon of the, uh, the lashon of the shochan in Yeridea Simen Kuf Nunhei also says that it gives you an out when there is no other option. He says, um, so then you have to not rely upon uh, things that might otherwise be Eserim, but here it's not really Makam She'epsher. So I took the liberty of asking Mavershel Shechter Shlita what he thought about this general situation of if you have a sick person who needs around-the-clock care and you don't have the possibility of a Jewish person being there, um, could you rely upon the same heter that we have with respect to Shabbos to allow a non-Jew to cook for that person? And he thought that you could be matir. He thought that you could be matir without even necessarily these other types of considerations of do a dafka in a microwave oven. But obviously, if you can use these other types of solutions, so that would be a good thing. So I was asked to come up with guidelines about this. So I said that um, I, I threw in um, some of uh, the possible ways in which uh, you can make this a little bit better. So I wrote, one lenient consideration is the ruling of the Ramah, there's room for leniency when the person cooking the food is a maidservant, which would include a modern-day caregiver according to some authorities, such as uh, the Shach. And while there's room to allow a non-Jew to cook for a needy sick person, every effort should be made to avoid the need. Thus, if it's possible for a Jew to turn on the flame or the oven at the beginning of each day and for the non-Jew to cook based on that initial lighting in the fire, that should be done. And also, there are oven devices that can be turned on remotely. Also, an oven can be turned on and then kept at 200 degrees so that the non-Jew would then simply be adding to the cooking process by raising the temperature. Now, the other thing that uh, the Minchas Yitzchak, who uh, talks about this, uh, and then I talk about the possibility of a microwave oven. But the other thing the Minchas Yitzchak notes, um, uh, who also talks about uh, perhaps using a microwave oven in this type of situation, take a look at four lines in the bottom of the, uh, not the Minchas Yitzchak, I'm saying the Mishnah Alachos, who talks about this in the context of a microwave oven, that source Laman on page 8, Chelech Yudtes Simon Kopei, says, Umiu, Ba'adait Sarach Shleyeva Klaus Tovik Alakashus. He says, you know what's a bigger problem? Potentially, who says the food is kosher? If there's no Jew around, who's watching what's going on over there? What type of food is being brought in? You got to have good supervision in terms of the food that's being brought in, in terms of the ingredients, in terms of not mixing up the meat and the dairy. There has to be some sort of a supervision going on. So it says, People are going out to work the entire day. They're not going to work um, if you do not have some sort of a provision, some sort of steps that are taken in order to ensure that the food is uh, going to be uh, is going to be kosher. So, uh, therefore, uh, I wrote that obviously there would also need to be appropriate oversight to ensure the kosher of the food and the non-mixing of meat and dairy ingredients as well as other kosher-related concerns. Maybe the installation of video cameras uh, that uh, would create some sort of a mere sauce. So all of those things obviously would have to uh, be put into place. If you take a look in source Lam and Gimel, there's a safer that came out recently. It's called the Shukhan Arach it's uh, some sort of a, a nice uh, uh, con- condensed presentation of modern day halacha, of uh, modern day halachas in the context of the uh, Shulchan Aruch, written by Rav Yitzchak Ratzabi, who's also the author of a sefer which is called Olas Yitzchak. 
And he writes, Subashas of Kakish, Mokam Mahoka, the Cholom was the Kanem, Yoiser, and he's Kakam the Mashar Singoyim, Esla, Bevatem, Yom, and Malayva. There is room to be Mako for this type of situation. The elderly, frail people who need around the clock care. And it simply is not feasible. We have to look at just logistical feasibility. It's just not feasible. You don't have these types of healthcare workers in the Jewish population. And therefore, he says that you can rely in part on that sheet that we quoted earlier of Rabbeinu Avam, Shehuva Betua Vereisha Simon, who says, He's saying, I'm also relying upon the fact that I have this home care worker who's not cooking in their own home, but they're cooking in the Jewish home. Um, I said that, so maybe we could say, for these purposes, we'll rely upon those shittas. So you try to rely upon as many leniencies as you can to make it better, but it seems that Pishas Godo, there is um, what to rely upon in these uh, situations. This is not meant as an absolute stock for every single case that comes up. I thought it would be valuable just to review the Indian because this is a Shiloh that comes up more nowadays. And as we mentioned, there's even room to be Mako with respect to the Kalim. Um, that uh, you could be a mako of certainly if it would cause a hefseid to require a kashring uh, of, of the kalim, assuming that the kalim are otherwise a kosher. Um, but obviously every single individual should ask their uh, local uh, posek about any individual situation that arises. <laughs> Besides secondarily, what about your kids? Do you have health care? Do you have food all day? Yeah, it had a... Put it on the shoulder.